Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. I've been teaching Facebook ads for over five years. I love Facebook. It is my thing. But I'm a marketer whether Facebook exists or not. Marketing is the act of, you know, putting your product or service in front of the right audience and explaining why they should buy it. Marketing is so much more than Facebook ads, and we have to have the ability to pivot. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello, and welcome to episode 144 of Perpetual Traffic. All right, we've got some good stuff for you today, Ralph, Molly, and myself, and yeah. uh, we've been ranting here just about all the stuff that's happening in the news lately, and uh, Darren, we're going to let Darren play some of that here so you can listen to some of that. We're just talking about kind of continuing the conversation from last week. Fired up. And then Ralph's going to update us on a really cool trip. He got to go uh, to Facebook corporate out in New York City, so enjoy the conversation we're having here about really you know, what to think about all of this stuff. It's, it's kind of crazy, huh, guys? Interesting times we're in right now with Facebook, that's for sure. Hey, Ralph, before you hop into your New York trip, I know that you have a special announcement uh, from Tier 11 that you wanted to share. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, We are hiring. (laughs) We've got, you know, a new name, new brand. We've got a lot of demand for our services, uh, which is really awesome. And we are actively uh, hiring ads managers. So tier11.com, it's T-I-E-R 11 spelled out, .com forward slash jobs. Check it out. Uh, We're actually hiring right now for a Facebook ads manager. So the way that it works with our folks is that you start as an ads manager and you go through our training and then you're assigned uh, an account director who oversees your development. You go through all our stuff, all our training, look over the shoulder of our awesome account managers who manage millions in ads every single month, uh, spending on Facebook and Instagram. 
And then you eventually ascend to an account manager role where once you go through all that training, jump through all the hoops, take all the certifications, then you have the opportunity to make at least six figures managing Facebook and Instagram ads remotely. We're a completely remote company. So we've got, you know, 15 or 16 employees and we all work remote. We do everything through our project management system. And uh, the big thing is, you know, doing what we do and really enjoying what we're doing. And then also making a little bit of money uh, at the same time, which is always good. So check it out, tier11.com forward slash jobs. The role is Facebook ad manager. And uh, if you're interested, I know we got a lot of badass Facebook marketers that listen to this podcast every single week. We want to talk to you. Heck yeah. And just to vouch as an honorary tier 11 member, <laughs> uh, this is a huge opportunity, guys. Even if you're a freelancer with a couple clients, think about joining forces with tier 11 if you know your stuff when it comes to Facebook, because it really gives you that community. You know, when I left Digital Marketer, I was looking for, okay, I'm, I'm not ready to work, you know, full time on something. I want to work with different clients and, and keep things, you know, exciting and spontaneous, but I still, I miss that home feeling, right? Like that group of people that you can go to, um, who all nerd out about the same stuff. And that is tier 11. So Ralph's created a really cool, uh, culture and it's a huge opportunity. So go ahead and apply. You know, this is a part-time at first full-time position. I mean, we really want people all in on tier 11 here. I mean, we used to hire consultants and, but I mean, this is really, you can create a really good life for yourself. And I think the best part of it is, um, you know, we've got what we refer to as the collective genius, a bunch of really smart people that geek out on this and having Molly in there talking and uh, being on our calls too is way cool. So you get to talk to Molly Pittman too, which I think is probably the Ooh. best benefit of the job. <laughs> My um, away message in Slack is uh, hanging out with Larry, my dog. <laughs> That's true. So, she is hanging um, out with Larry right now. We're, we're really serious at Tier 11. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've got the uh, the guy from This Is Spinal Tap as my icon, So because it's 11. It's one more than 10. <laughs> So Ralph, you went to Facebook in New York. Like, give us a little backstory. Yeah. So, did you eat snacks? <laughs> we got lots of snacks. There's always lots of snacks yeah. at Facebook whenever we go there. So, so the first time going to the one in New York, which was really cool. Uh, you know, this isn't where they keep all their advertising folks. That's in Austin, where Molly is, and we go there quite frequently as well. But uh, we actually had requested this probably about a year or so ago when we just had a lot of questions about the algorithm, the Facebook algorithm, and, and what we should do with regard to bidding, what we should do with regard to overall optimization. And our awesome partner manager, Sarah, arranged this for New York-based agencies. Um, I think she actually did it in concert with like the mothership uh, out in California. So we were invited to go in and I uh, actually pulled in uh, one of our awesome account managers, Jenny, who was just so happened to be traveling on the East Coast at that time, as well as Vanessa, who lives uh, not too far from New York. So we went, uh, we went to Facebook, New York, and um, basically had like an hour and a half with Chidi Orike, who... If you are not familiar with who he is, I'm probably completely butchering his name. We'll put this link in the show notes. 
is he actually runs the FB Auction Live Facebook group. So he has a, a lot of people that are in there that come in and talk about the algorithm and the auction. And we had actually requested to speak with one of these guys in this group way back when. So this is sort of the origination of it. But anyway, great group to go in, really learn a lot. If you want to geek out on the algorithm, go in there. But one of our biggest questions, I think he was he was great to talk to for about you know an hour and a half. We wish it was like double that time because we had so many other questions that we wanted to talk about. But we really focused on the campaign objective that I think most people that are listening to this podcast will use you know most frequently, and that is website conversions. So website conversions, we really wanted to find out specifically questions around when you're using website conversions, what type of bidding should you use? So we've always sort of thought, well, maybe there's a better way than just auto bid, which right now is what they call lowest cost. I don't know why they changed the name of it, but it's got lowest cost now. We still refer to it as automatic. Basically, Facebook will set the bid for you based upon your seat in the auction and, and uh, your creative and how that matches a certain subset of you know potential customers or clients of yours in an audience. But we really wanted to find out, should we be using any kind of manual bid? So there's two other bids, which are called target cost, okay, which is basically average bidding, if you remember what that was. We've talked about this on previous episodes, is that we have actually tested a lot of this stuff, and we always sort of come out with, eh, it kind of works, it kind of doesn't work. Well, when Facebook changed the naming convention of the different types of bidding from average bidding to target cost, they said that you could now scale your campaigns at a consistent CPA. So let's say if you were getting $20 a purchase at $100 a day, all you needed to do, and this is the way that it was sort of portrayed to us, so you just need to switch over to average bidding and put in $20 and then just start scaling up your campaigns. Maybe you know doubling your, your daily spend every couple of days, which was sort of the recommendation. So what we found when we started doing this is that we would not get the result that we we're looking for. If anything, it was worse. We started to just get no impressions at all. So impressions completely dried up or we couldn't really control our CPA. If anything, our CPA went higher in many cases. Mm. So we asked him specifically about that and, and he had some good uh, answers on that, as well as we asked about what used to be referred to as max bid. So that is what's now referred to as lowest cost with bid cap. So we wanted to find out, okay, with these new names, like where should we use what? And are we doing it right? Are we not doing it right? So he explained that when you use target cost bidding, let's say you set that bid at $20, Facebook will basically ignore all the conversions that are under $20. So look at it if you sort of have a graph and you just take your thumb and your index finger and just put it you know, across an imaginary whiteboard. Like that's where Facebook, and there's $20 inside those two lines. Everything that's below that and everything that's above that, as far as audience that could potentially convert at a lower or a higher cost, they will ignore them. Whoa. They will optimize your ads based upon what you're telling them you want. So if you don't have people that are going to convert at $20 CPA or thereabouts as an average or a target cost bid, 
if those people don't exist in your, let's say, 2 million person lookalike audience in the US, 18 to 65 plus, whatever it happens to be, if they can't find anybody, the algorithm can't find anyone that's in that $20 range, they'll basically stop giving you impressions. So that was a huge discovery for us. He then went on to explain that, okay, the way that you guys are doing it right now, you're using lowest cost bidding, okay, which is what we all refer to as auto bid, right? It's pretty much the way that we've explained it plenty of times here on the podcast. What happens is that when you start that campaign, unlike the campaign where you have target cost at $20, Facebook will quickly learn and will get all the lowest cost conversions right out of the gate. So what the time frame is, is this is sort of variable, but like picture it as like two weeks, let's like 14 days. Facebook will basically find in the first four, five, six, seven days, all those super low converters, those people that right. are within that audience that are below 20. Ralph, and this is probably why, you know, we hear a lot, hey, my campaign came out of the gate really performing. And then as I scaled, the results deteriorated. And it's because they're coming out of the gate and really finding that low hanging fruit is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, all things being equal, let's say that you use the same ad. All right, it's one ad, or maybe you have two ads in that ad set. Remember, Facebook does all its learning at the ad set level, not at the campaign level, unless you actually do do you know campaign budget optimization. But you know, if you're not using that, Facebook, like if you have five different ad sets of different interests, each one of those ad sets is learning on its own. They don't share information. If anything, they're trying to compete against each other if there is any audience overlap, which is something that we've talked about here on the show many times, which is now more of an issue, I think, than it ever has been. So what we're realizing now is that, yeah, the algorithm is super smart and it's machine learning, but if you restrict what you tell Facebook that you'll pay for a conversion, they will give you exactly what you want and nothing more. So... The bottom line is, is that when, when we talked to him, we're like, all right, so do you use, like, when would you actually use target cost bidding? And he really didn't have a great answer. I, I don't really remember what the answer was, meaning like there wasn't an answer. <laughs> so we all are kind of looking at each other like, okay, that means we've been doing it right all along, which is good. We've been doing auto bid or we've been doing lowest cost bidding and we didn't even realize we were doing it right. But that really does unleash the power of the algorithm. Now, Having said that, like if you start a campaign and you know you see it like seven days, you're getting tons of cheap conversions, and all of a sudden, you know at day seven, eight, nine, all of a sudden your conversions start to increase, which we have seen plenty of times. What that also means is that all things being equal, is that what Facebook is doing is showing your ad to a subset within that audience. So let's say it's two million people, they might be showing it to you know people who are most likely to convert under $20 or $20 or less, or maybe like the lowest cost conversions possible in that overall large audience. So sort of picture it as like, you know, a big circle and then like a tiny little circle where Facebook will really focus. But as soon as you change out your creative in your ad, or maybe you're using dynamic creative, which is an awesome new tool that Facebook now has through split testing. What Facebook now does is it as soon as you change out your ad, now it shows that ad, let's say it's a different hook. It's a different kind of take on whatever it, the action is that you want somebody to take. Maybe it's a lead, maybe it's a sale. If you change your creative, now Facebook will reset the algorithm 
and will go out and find other people within that audience. So what we see many times is we see campaigns doing well initially, really cheap. All of a sudden, the CPAs start to rise Okay, after a certain point in time or maybe above our tolerable CPA. It's before then that you should be pre-planning to give new creatives. This is one other thing that we came away with. Like, we all really want this platform to be like, set it and forget it. Like, oh, I just create one ad set, one ad, and I make millions of dollars. It doesn't work that way. I mean, this is totally, Facebook is so dynamic. You have to constantly be swapping out your creatives. So one of the things that we came away with, and I think this is the big idea from this meeting, if there's one thing you take away from this, is when things are going good in your campaigns, it's time to make new ads, which is usually like in our case, in the agency, we're like, oh crap, you know, CPAs are starting to go up. Let's throw in a, a whole new round of ads or new ad copy. Let's do a hook meeting where we try to try and figure out a different way to approach the same thing. We should be doing that. And this is now sort of an SOP inside tier 11 is you do it when things are going great. Like that's the time for you to start working so that eventually the algorithm will like that subset of people within your audience, let's say it's a 2 million person audience, it will tire out. So swapping out your creative, super, super important. One of the things he did say is, we asked this sort of hypothetically, is can you extend that period of that honeymoon period where you're getting good CPAs, low CPAs, you know, Facebook is getting your $2 CPA, but also your $20 CPA and you're great. It's like your blended average is 10 or 12. And, you know, you know, you make money at at least 20 or less. Well, you can extend out that honeymoon period as soon as you launch your campaigns by using dynamic creative, which is the new tool, because what that does is it almost extends the life of the campaign, or in this particular case, of the ad set, so that you have lots of different variations of that ad, and it's hitting different people, different segments within that larger audience. So it can extend the life of a campaign, but still, like there's no no getting around it. You know, as soon as things are 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 going really well for you, that's the time to think about new creatives, new ads, new ad copy, new headlines, new videos, whatever it happens to be. And that was a big takeaway for us. So one of the other big things that we talked about, actually, prior to even talking about bidding, we, we talked about bidding for probably like a good hour or so. Uh, we never really got into other campaign objectives, which we really wanted to get into. But nonetheless, one of the things that Chidi did explain to us is that the actual algorithm has changed, Ooh. fundamentally changed. This isn't just like a 2.0 to 2.1 update. Like this is a fundamental change. And he didn't say exactly when this happened. I think I forgot to ask that question. But right now, if you look at the algorithm, the algorithm basically uses three pieces of data in order to determine who wins an auction or who actually shows in the newsfeed ahead of someone else. So it's three things. First off, it's your bid. It's your estimated action rate. And then it's what this other thing is, which is user value. It used to be called something differently, and we couldn't remember what it was, but he's like, well, fundamentally, it's changed. So bidding is what we just talked about is, all right, you're, are you doing auto bid? Are you doing average bidding or target cost bidding? Are you doing lowest cost with bid cap, which is max bidding, which we didn't really even talk about all that much. But you know, I have somewhat important detail on that, which we can get to in just a second. And then there is estimated action rate. 
So this is something like recent activity on the ad, user characteristics, the ad set campaign, even account history. Listen, we've said, is Facebook taking your history of your ad account into effect when it shows your ads? Yes, they are. So ad set history, campaign history, account history, all part of this whole thing. Page history. Keith, to your point, uh, we always talk about this, if your page gets hacked for whatever reason, like a real hack as opposed to like a fake news hack. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Um, If your page gets hacked, your, your organic reach actually does suffer. Well, you know, page history is part of this estimated action rate. Ralph, what is even page history? Just curious, like activity on your page? It could be, yeah. How engaging you are? My, my guess is that how engaged the page is, if there's a history of negative comments, like how positive, how much does your page contribute to the best overall user experience of Facebook? What that really means in specific terms is maybe it's activity on your page. We've definitely noticed that when you know our customers do Facebook Lives or they're active on their page, constantly you know posting organic and maybe even boosting some of those posts on their page. Like that's a healthy, active page. Um, okay, something that's that's well commented, and you know you have a quick reaction time to comment. They're looking at you as like an entire business, Absolutely. right? It's not just about the ads. It's like how do you behave as a business on on our platform? And I think that's awesome. Yeah, totally. And I think uh, you know this is something that we've always sort of suspected, but I mean now it's you know it is part of this of this algorithm update. When it actually occurred, we're not really sure. Maybe it was always there. And now they're just being a little bit more transparent. I think that was really, you know, what Chidi said. He's like, all right, this is a meeting where we're going to be a little bit more transparent than we have in the past. We'll explain a little bit more to you guys, you know, about this sort of stuff. Because they realize that the more we understand it, you know, the more we can obviously harness the, the power of it for our customers. So anyway, so the last part of the the algorithm is this user value component. So user value component was something that was new to us. So we were like, what's that? And he said, it's actually, it's, it's a couple of different things, two really important things, which is brand new news to us, which is ad quality panel. Never heard of that before. We're like, I think Vanessa actually asked the question. She's like, ad quality panel, is that like people looking at our ads? He said, yeah. He said, are they part of Facebook? And he said they were not. They're from a third-party outside source. I assume some kind of vendor that is looking at your ads and then giving some kind of score. So like real-world people looking at your ads, not people in policy inside you know, the Austin offices, nothing like that. So this is like the human experience. Like if you think about how important the newsfeed is for Facebook, it totally makes sense that they would do this. So get outside people to say, eh, that looks link baity. And again, like I said, we all live in this little bubble, right? And if my mom was there to say what was relevant or not, you know, her voice would actually be more relevant because it's the voice of the actual consumer, right? Which is who Facebook caters to. And I think that we forget that a lot as marketers. Yeah. Yeah. This is an inherently human experience that we are advertising on. Uh, it's a social network. And in order for the experience, as more and more advertisers come on board, it's really important for them to get like this real human interaction. So anyway, so that ad quality panel totally blew us away. We're like, whoa. And then the second part to that, which is also something that we've always suspected, but never really knew, is post-click experience. 
So what that means is, for example, bounce rate. So if you don't know what bounce rate is, bounce rate is basically is the percentage of people who basically click and then immediately back click, you know, to put it in like layman's terms. Bad ad sense. Yeah. So <laughs> I click an ad and immediately I'm like, yeah, this is horrible or this page, right. whatever. Terrible experience. Terrible experience. I back click immediately. So if you click and then stay on the page and go deeper into the site, let's say, say you go onto the landing page of the blog post and you click through to a link to a product page and then you add to cart and then you purchase. That is not measured according to what we learned. What is measured is the negative impact of that. So bounce rate, if somebody clicks and then back clicks, immediately that's a negative signal to Facebook that your ad is inconsistent with the post-click experience. Fascinating yeah. because we have always that thought is about fascinating. It. So if you're not looking at your landing pages, you're kind of missing out on this portion of it. Yeah. And it's the relationship between the ad and the landing page that we always talk about, right? People get so caught up in the ad, but I've had campaigns most recently as last week where the landing page has such a high conversion rate that it's telling Facebook like, wow, this is a really congruent experience for the end user and your cost per lead's going to go down. And again, it's because Facebook cares about the end user, right? If everyone's clicking and then hitting the back button, um, there's no subjectivity there, right? Like that's not a good experience. Something's wrong. Either the page doesn't promise what the ad did, or maybe something's even broken, right? From uh, a technical aspect. So I, I love that you learned that, Ralph, and that's validated because I think it's something we've known for a long time. Yeah, I think it definitely is something that we've uh, like at least suspected, not specifically known, but um, it is part of this new user value component to it. And uh, I'm sure Facebook will be coming out a little bit more with information on this. I mean, I'm, we're not really allowed to share you know, anything from that meeting specifically for like slides or any of that sort of stuff. But I mean, this kind of information, I think, is going to be helpful for all of us as advertisers is like, all right, we really have to be, really pay attention to what we put on our ads. And we have to constantly change things up. You know, this is not the set it and forget it platform that we all kind of want it to be. Yes, it is at a certain level. But Really, if you're going for scale, if you're going for any sort of level you know, of magnitude by advertising on Facebook and Instagram, you've got to change up your stuff and make sure that the experience is really positive overall. Uh, but also, you know, it's got to convert. It's got to make you money or business. We understand that. So it's the marriage of all of those things together. So the last part of, of user value is in-feed experience and personal qualities. And two things that we didn't really... That sounds fancy. <laughs> I know we didn't really get too much into it, but I assume it's still more of that like human component, human element of it. So, you know, really when you're launching your campaigns, look at your ads, like really look at them and say, is this something that's going to resonate? You know, is it something that deceives? Is it something that, you know, portrays my company or my business in the right way? You know, are people going to actually be interested in this based upon my targeting? You know, asking those hard questions, testing the heck out of your ads and what that front facing ad copy image video is. And, um, you know, you should be in good shape. So knowing a little bit more about how the machine works is helpful. Still, there's a lot of mystery around it. I'm by no means a Facebook algorithm expert. But uh, <laughs> did you become best friends with this guy? Uh, wait, I, uh, I think I'll have to friend him on Facebook. See if he friends me back. <laughs> God, I hope. Damn it. 
Still waiting for Tom Brady's friend request to come back, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Which one's more important? I would say Chidi is over uh, Tom Brady. Sorry, Patriot fans. Well, cool. Thank you for sharing your experience, Ralph. I think that's awesome. And it's cool that Facebook's, you know, bringing together agencies and trying to educate, you know, people who are actually doing this stuff on how it works, right? I think that, you know, your experience at Facebook, this whole Cambridge Analytica thing, it really just shows that there needs to be more communication across the board, right? We need to understand as advertisers better how the platform works. The platform needs to better understand how we want to use the platform, but mostly consumers, right? There's a big portion, you know, 99.9% of the world who is using this social network without understanding what they're actually doing, right? And not just this social network, but a lot of things in life, like Dan talked about, where does your poop go, (laughs) right? Um, So I I think a lot of this is communication and I think we can all get there. We just have to get past the point. uh, There can't be anger, right? (laughs) There can't be drama. Uh, We just need to move forward and do some, do cool shit again, right? Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna blow over. We actually we had a call with Sarah yesterday, our partner manager, and I basically told her what I thought about this whole thing, which is really sort of reiterating what you guys had talked about in last week's episode, Molly and Dan, who Dan said it so you know articulately, if that's a word, which is like we always do, we just eloquently, um, and you know really looked at like let's look inwardly at ourselves at how this whole thing actually did evolve, but I think Facebook looks at this as an opportunity to become a leader now in personal data and protection of personal data, because it really is kind of a joke. I mean, people don't, they first off don't understand what this all means. I mean, this whole thing with Cambridge Analytica, and if they actually got their facts right, they would understand that it wasn't everything that the news media is making it out to be. But the fact that we actually do give up our personal data for the sake of convenience like that's a big point here. Yes. And and now people are now aware of, oh my God, all this data of mine is now out there with all these companies, all these app developers, and now these people like Cambridge Analytica, which basically either paid <laughs> this one guy to do the 235,000 downloads of the app, which turned into 50 million user profiles on Facebook um, because of the way that the apps worked prior to 2015. Like now people are like, Oh my God, I'm giving all this data, but like, what data are you actually giving? You like cats? Yeah. I like Metallica. You know, it's like, <laughs> I listen to Dave Matthews, <laughs> you know? well, Ralph. And, and like you said, but before we started recording, you know, what's really interesting about all of this is that number one, I hardly watch the news for this reason. Right. And what I was telling you guys is that I've always felt like what we do as digital marketers and specifically Facebook advertisers is like, we're over in our own little corner, like living this different life. Right from other people and they don't understand, you know, people are always like, Molly, how do Facebook ads work? You know, I don't, I don't quite understand. And I realize now that this has been in the media, number one, how untrue it is and really how much people just, they don't understand like the general population 
those that are not digital marketers, they don't understand how Facebook works. So if, you know, they are giving more data to Facebook every day. I saw an article today that was like, Facebook is reading your messenger texts. (laughs) Why wouldn't they be? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, do you not think that Google reads your emails and, you know, indexes and figures out what you're interested in? And knows where you're going through Google Maps. Yes. And so does Apple through Maps. It's (laughs) like, this is the world we now live in. I mean, how much more data do they want? I mean, I guess you draw the line at social security numbers and, you know, that when you're talking about identity theft. I get that. And I'm by no means a, you know, data analyst or data specialist when it comes to any of this sort of stuff. But I mean, I know you draw the line there. Last time I checked, I'm not giving Facebook any of my, you know, super confidential information like my social security number or anything like that. So it is what it is. It's like, you know, Facebook going on Facebook, it's Facebook's medium and they have the right to use that data to show us relevant ads that might actually improve our quality of life. Here's the deal though, you guys, it's like people need to understand this. I think remember when in the target audience in targeting inside Facebook, it used to say partner categories. Okay. And you have your interest base where you could target like people of certain fans of certain people. And then you had, I remember when partner categories came out, I remember it was like before the second edition of the book, which was like three or four years ago. And it was such a big deal because they partnered with Inspiron, Epsilon, and um, Data Logic. And these companies have been around for a long time. And that's because of that partnership. They, they partnered with Facebook to give their data to Facebook as long as it would match up with our email address. And it was the data that um, lets us be able to target people based on their income, the cars they drive. So it's all the data that the loan companies, the banks, insurance, auto lenders, auto, all these companies have been selling their data for years and years and years and years and years. And before you had to, you had to basically use a, a broker to get that data. And it was thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars. People have businesses doing this to be able to get these these lists. And then when this came into Facebook, it used to be called partner categories. And they literally were separated inside the, the ads manager with those three that I just named, um, Datalogic, Inspiron, and Epsilon. Then they started changing it out and they started just integrating all those categories just inside the the targeting. So it didn't say partner categories. They just, they just tried to simplify. And so like, let's say you're in, in, your, in your 50s and you're listening to this right now. Have you ever gotten a letter in the mail for a credit card? application, right? Or anything like that. Or you start a new business and you start getting things in the mail related to a business. And that's because these big data companies have been selling their data to all these companies. And so they would just buy those things, right? Well, that's, that's in in a nutshell, that's what's happening here. But people are, you know, opting into apps and stuff like that and approving Facebook to, you know, gather more of that data. And so it's just kind of like, Facebook's just basically, it's kind of like you're killing the messengers, what's happening, actually. Yeah, I mean, their arrangement with those, I think it's actually now it's seven or eight different companies, including a a couple of other ones that aren't as well known. Facebook did have an arrangement with them where they would actually get data from them, and then Facebook would actually supply them with data. What that terms of that agreement is, we don't really know. But the point is, is that it's a data share. I mean, those, unfortunately, you know, one of the backlashes from this whole Cambridge Analytica, whatever you want to call it, I'm not going to call it a scandal because it's not a scandal, um, is that partner categories are now going to be taken away. Like over the course of the next couple of months, they'll be pretty much out of ads manager completely. 
by July 1st, which is too bad because that's really actually very good data. We don't use it tremendously you know, inside the agency, but the point is, is that I think Facebook is now taking a very conservative and a leadership role in trying to be more transparent when it comes to how much data they actually have on you. And like you said, Keith, like this has always been there. Like you've always, if you had the money, if you had a million dollars and you wanted the data to be able to send, you know, that credit card offer, you know, to a certain amount of households with all their addresses and their email addresses and all that sort of stuff, it was out there anyway. Facebook has exchanged it. And granted that, you know, everything that we do on Facebook is being tracked and everything that's being tracked when we go on, you know, any sort of website is being used as, you know, data that Facebook gathers. But like, I think Molly, as you said it in the last episode, it's like, I'm fine with that. Like if that yeah. shows me better ads <laughs> and makes my life better, it's like, yeah, I don't have to look at the ad, but <laughs> you know, if I, <laughs> if they know what I typically will eat and I'm interested in getting a, yes. uh, you know, a grocery delivery service, yes. that's actually convenient for me. Yeah. Like I actually make a lot of my purchase decisions from Facebook ads now because the targeting has gotten so good that they actually, and I've given them so much data, they actually know what to show me, right? Like I'm I'm like, ooh, that's cute. I want to buy that. Or wow, that actually solves a problem that I'm having right now. Like, this is a benefit. But I mean, like I said on the last episode, I think a lot of this comes down to education and understanding what is Facebook. Facebook is a social network. So what is a social network? Well, it's a place to connect people. Well, this social network is going to build social profiles, right? Based off of what they know about you. Um, and again, this isn't your social social security number, right? This is data like, you know, what food you feed your dog or what music you listen to. Um, and of course, they're going to allow advertisers to use that data to show you ads that are relevant to you. Honestly, I thought the partner category sucked usually. <laughs> like there were a few instances where I would use some of the partner categories, um, but most of it was things like people that make more than X amount of, of money a year. Well, that's not always a a great way to target. And also those partners did not have data on every Facebook user. So a lot of times when you would select one of those categories, it would make your audience super small. I know that there were a few special ones that people had success with, but I'm not going to miss the partner categories, right? Because the power of Facebook is the interests, right? Other than retargeting and lookalikes, it's the interests, right? The interests are the social profiles, the interests are what makes up your social profile. And that's the information you're giving Facebook, right? So again, it's been totally blown out of proportion. But it also, I think the point I was really getting to earlier was it made me realize that we live in this hole where we really understand how this works and most of the world doesn't right? And we educate a lot of people on how to market on Facebook. But I think that everyone needs to be educated on how Facebook works. And then you add, um, you know, lack of education with, you know, the media spinning this into a fear-based negative uh, situation. That's why this has been such a quote unquote disaster, right? Like I've been back here sort of giggling, like, you know, this sucks for Facebook 
joke, I feel for them. This is probably the biggest thing to happen to their platform, but they're going to handle it. They're going to be just fine, right? They're going to get through this. And it's the people that really sit back and think like Dan did on the last episode, how does this actually work? Oh, wow. I'm actually a part of what I'm complaining about right? Like, it's funny, I logged on to Facebook this morning, and I saw a lot of people complaining about this situation on Facebook, right? right. <laughs> and yeah. you can't help but just Isn't sit there and meta? giggle a little bit. <laughs> and it's like, you know, Grant Cardone is like, I'm gonna go I'm not spending another cent on Facebook, I'm gonna go to YouTube and these other platforms. And it's like, wow, that's really your thought process? Like, great, there's more room for the rest of us. I think I'm a little bitter today. <laughs> and, he's po- and he's posting it on Facebook. On that's Facebook. That's the best part about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, this is actually good for the smart marketers. It's like, it's kind of like when, when the economy, you know, takes a dump here and sometime in the next, you know, two or three years, it's like the people that are smart will sees that as an opportunity, right? And so we wanna understand that we have to be able to navigate this, navigate this and just sit back for a second, take a breath and see what happens. Like what's gonna happen? Like, is it gonna affect our targeting? Like like you just said, Molly, I don't think it's gonna affect yes. us much at all, but it could affect some API issues and Instagram issues and stuff like that for, for a little while. But it's like, guess what? It's gonna weed out so many people. And yes, yes so that opens up the opportunity for us. And then you just gotta like look for the opportunity things change, you adapt, always opportunity. I'd be more concerned with data breaches from other companies at this point. I mean, you just, you just Google data breaches in today or seven hours ago, Sears and Delta hit by third-party credit card data breach. Like Credit card data. That's a big deal. <laughs> Those are credit cards. Credit card data breaches, not like if you like cats or if you are single or if you're married or, you know, all the things that are in your profile. Like, I don't know. People just have to sort of take a step back here and really think about like all the things that we're using today, Facebook and all the apps that, you know, we have are there for our convenience. And in that convenience, it is a, you know, it's a give and take. It comes at a price. You know, you give your data to have more convenience. For me personally, I'll gladly give my data for more convenience. It definitely makes my life easier that way. So keeping this whole thing in perspective and and realizing that it really isn't that like the only thing that was wrong in this whole thing is that Cambridge Analytica bought this, you know, 50 million person profile from this person who created an app, like that person never should have taken that data away from Facebook and sold it to an outside party. Yeah. And, and and that was where things went wrong. Like them actually gathering that data was actually okay. It was part of the terms of service at that point in time, which is now since changed, obviously, but like there's the problem right there. So, you know, whether Cambridge Analytica is a nefarious company and has all, I mean, you can read up on them and make your own mind. Um, they definitely don't sound like they're co- totally above board. The point is, is that, you know, th- that's where the error happened. And I think if people dig a little bit deeper and get educated on it, they'll understand it and realize, all right, this isn't something to be concerned about. Yeah. And this was something that that I brought up on a panel at Social Media Marketing World. We had um, a representative from Facebook on the panel and we did uh, a, a chat about bots. And the first question from the audience 
was a gentleman who asked the Facebook representative, you know, since you took away my organic reach, you know, how can I trust Facebook again as a business owner? And I totally understand that changes to platforms can be frustrating. Uh, someone earlier today to, um, said to me, you know, Molly, Facebook has destroyed so many marketers. And to your point, Keith, like I, I responded to them, like my face, I wish you could see my face right now because I said, you know, I've been teaching Facebook ads for over five years. I love Facebook. It is my thing, but I'm a marketer whether Facebook exists or not, right? Like marketing is the act of, you know, putting your product or service in front of the right audience and explaining why they should buy it, right? Like marketing is so much more than Facebook ads and we have to have the ability to pivot, right? Um, number one, the, this isn't the end of the world with Facebook, but say it was say Facebook was deleted tomorrow. That doesn't change who I am as a marketer. So, you know, uh, uh, back to the, the, the gentleman who asked the question to the Facebook lady, she had a very eloquent response. And then I said to the crowd, like, Hey guys, this was even before all of this Cambridge Analytica stuff blew up in the news. We really need to back down our entitlement as marketers, right? Like he, to complain about a traffic source, not giving you your free organic traffic. That's, that's a lot of entitlement that I'm seeing as marketers. And I think we could get better results if you were more fluid and went with the flow, right? Like if you're able to adapt, that's how you're a good long-term marketer. If you get all frustrated and you want to explode over a platform change, I mean, this is like our careers, right? In terms of Facebook ads, we have a lot on the line here. And I don't think the three of us had any moment of panic, right? No. Because... <laughs> So I, I think that the that's also something to keep in mind here. This is the nature of marketing. You know, there have been a ton of different mediums over the years, and this stuff is going to happen. Here's the thing, though, Molly, is is people <laughs> need to understand that Facebook ads, Instagram ads, the opportunity that we have at our disposal has been like nothing ever before. Okay, this is like when TV took over radio back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, basically. And we only have a couple years left, okay? If you look at Google back in like 2003, it might have been like, you know, five cents, a you know, one cents a click. And then it jumped up quite a bit to 2009. But the thing is, in 2009, it was still very, very cheap. And then look at the prices today or look at the prices in like 2013 when, when they just went through the roof. Right now, we have an opportunity to be able to literally put $1 in and get $1.50 out or $1.10 out or even 90 out and, and run things on a return, like an ROI basis, but also still be building your brand. I don't know how long this is going to last. It might be another year. It might be another two years. But all the stuff that people are freaking out about, if you're a business owner, you need to just forget about it and figure out how you can turn a dollar into a dollar fifty. Because in two years from now, it ain't going to be there anymore. The huge brands are, have still not jumped in. I mean, they're all going out for dinner. Or they're all buddies and, you know, club, club members of the club with all the big, big like TV advertisers in New York. They all hang out together. And I'm talking about like Coca-Cola and Nike and a lot of these companies, when they start putting their money, like real money into Facebook ads and Instagram ads, our prices right now are going to double, triple, quadruple. There's never been anything like this where somebody can literally start a new business or, and go from a nobody to a household name in, in one or two years. That opportunity Jack. is out there for all of us. And so if we keep sitting here bitching about not getting free 
impressions and letting the opportunity go by, you're just basically throwing away money like that you'll never be able to get back because this this time that we're in, it, it's going to be gone forever. And it's not like there's going to be the next thing. This is like an every 40 or 50 year thing that we're in right now. So that's my rant. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's like, you know, I remember I remember starting on this platform in 2010, you know, as an affiliate and getting in like 3 months after, <laughs> you know, a bunch of my affiliate buddies had gotten in. I'm like, I missed it. And that was 8 years ago. I'm like, "Oh my god." It's like that's a really really long time. But I mean, it's true. I mean, prices continue to increase. Like CPMs have doubled on Facebook in the last year. The CPCs have doubled. You know, I mean, the CPM a year ago was around six. Now it's about twelve and a half dollars. So the the point is that it, the opportunity is still there, and it is going to get more expensive. And I think this is a great statistic, Keith. That that is is definitely relevant to what you're saying. Is that I think there's a 62 million Facebook business pages that are out there. So there's 62 million businesses, and there's six million ad accounts. So if you look at it that way. Like we've only really penetrated like 10% of the potential wow. advertisers on Facebook, which is amazing. And a lot of my, you know, Wall Street buddies ask me about Facebook all the time. I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I mean, I see a lot of growth here. It might not be a growth stock like it was before, but the point is, is that the opportunity is still there and there's going to be more people. A year from now, I guarantee you, we're going to be paying double our CPMs than what we're paying right now, our double CPCs. It's just the way that it is, which means that you should be listening to this podcast every single week and making sure that you're on the razor's edge to stay ahead of all the competition so you know what to do and change with the times. There's my soapbox. Couldn't have said it better, Ralphie. <laughs> <laughs> Hundred percent. So yeah, so that's um, that's the whole trip to New York. We talked a little bit about some of the Cambridge Analytica stuff here. I love it. I love it. To get a hold of all the resources that we talked about here on episode one forty four, go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode one forty four. We'll have all the uh, the links and show notes in there for you. And uh, it's been a trip talking about this and geeking out on the algorithm. Hopefully nobody fell asleep during the whole thing or drove <laughs> off the road. Yeah, and, and I lied last week. This episode wasn't about the e-com ad amplifier, but that is next week, right, Ralph? <sighs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So really exciting knowledge from the brain of Ralph Burns coming next week. Cool. Can't wait. All right. Toodles. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Grant, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong but you can't quite put your finger on what, 
Go to tier11.com forward slash apply. That's tier11.com forward slash apply. And we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.